The Athletic. This is Talk with the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. So the club have abandoned plans to bring back Mason Greenwood to the first team squad. The Athletic reported last week that Chief Executive Richard Arnold had informed the club's executive leadership team at the start of this month that the plan was for Greenwood to return. But United faced mounting criticism from fans, the media, charities and even from within the club as well. And on Monday, a statement confirmed that it had been mutually agreed for him to continue his career away from Old Trafford. This came after charges against the player, including attempted rape and assault, were dropped in February. Charges he denied. With me today to discuss this are Laurie Whitwell, Carl Anker and Andy Mitten, as usual. I'll come to you in a moment, but I think it's important at this point just to lay clear some of the key points from the three statements that were released today by Manchester United, by Mason Greenwood and also Chief Executive Richard Arnold. So in the club statement, they said, Based on the evidence available to us, we have concluded that the material posted online did not provide a full picture and that Mason did not commit the offences in respect of which he was originally charged. That said, as Mason publicly acknowledges today, he has made mistakes which he is taking responsibility for. All those involved, including Mason, recognise the difficulties with him recommencing his career at Manchester United. It has therefore been mutually agreed that it would be the most appropriate for him to do so away from Old Trafford and we will now work with Mason to achieve that outcome. Mason Greenwood has said in his statement, I was brought up to know that violence or abuse in any relationship is wrong. I did not do the things I was accused of and in February I was cleared of all charges. However, I fully accept that I made mistakes and I take my share of responsibility for the situations which led to the social media post. Finally, the Chief Executive of Manchester United, Richard Arnold, released a long statement detailing the process of how Manchester United came to the decision. In that, he said, although we have decided that Mason will seek to rebuild his career away from Manchester United, that does not signal the end of this matter. The club will continue to offer its support both to the alleged victim and to Mason to help them rebuild and move forward positively with their lives. While we are unable to access certain evidence for reasons we respect, the evidence we did collate led us to conclude that Mason did not commit the acts that he was charged with. Right, that was a long introduction, but we felt it was important to lay out some facts and detail from those statements. Laurie, I'll come to you first. What's your reaction to the news today and to the elements of the statements that I've just read out? I think the news was expected after Adam Crafton's excellent reporting triggered that wave I suppose of reaction um, both internally at the club and also outside in the fan base Um, I think that United felt more acutely the reality of the situation they will say that they projected the uh, fierce you know response to trying to bring Mason Greenwood back but I think the scale of it did catch them by surprise um, from, from people that I've been speaking to and ultimately in my opinion it is the right call because I don't think as we've already discussed on, on a previous podcast that while uh, you know, having charges dropped um, in a criminal sense uh, that then means that you automatically can play football you know, for a club of Manchester United scale and with the kind of community sense that it has that it aspires towards at least I think that's the right call ultimately it's very apparent from uh, the words and expressions that United 
you know, didn't really want to have to do this. I think they wanted to go a different course and, and bring him back. Um, they will say it's because he hasn't committed a crime, as, as they've sort of alluded to. There have, have, hasn't committed the acts that he's been charged with. I have. I think that's a little bit problematic because you know United didn't set out to rule on that actual aspect of it. They they set out to rule on whether as an employer they could continue employing him. So I think then to put it in black and white when the case hasn't been heard in a court of law is an issue personally. And also this kind of idea that, and this is what I've written a column on, mutual agreement that they're talking about and, and collaboration uh, as Greenwood touches on. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to how United have approached this whole process really. Yes, he's their player, absolutely. And, and there is a certain sense of, wanting to listen to what he has to say and find the truth as, as, as he sees it. But at the same time, it feels a little bit too close, that sense that they're going to do this together. You know, personally, if you're going to cut the cord and sort of stand by what you believe is right, then I think you have to make that clear in your statements. And, and it seems to me that they are very much putting this in, you know, the fact that the, the court of public opinion has ruled that he can't play for United and, and it seems like they, they don't really want to have to do this. So, you know, that's that's up to them, I suppose. But from a point of view of someone who follows the club and um, feels that United have, you know, a duty to their fans as much as their employees, I think that that will perhaps cause lingering issues. Andy? I think it's a sensible decision. I think it's the correct decision. I think the opposite decision would have become extremely problematic. We saw the public backlash uh, last week after Adam Crafton's story. There were clear majorities of Manchester United fans who didn't want Mason Greenwood uh, to return uh, to the club from right across the different demographics of, of Manchester United fans. And I was actually surprised by some of the people who were saying to me he shouldn't play for the club again. I think Laurie's point about the court of public opinion is very interesting. Does that then set a precedent? Is that is that a good thing? Does that mean that any decisions can be overturned whereby Manchester United see a reaction to that? How far did they, did they, did they take that? But the bottom line for me is that the, the correct decision has been made. I don't think it's something that I feel happy about or celebratory about. I feel it's really sad, difficult situation. And I think it dragged on for too long. It, it became a, a real, another cloud because the ownership is another one over Manchester United where it started to become a major, major distraction. And the announcement has now been made. I'd like to think that people can move on with their lives, but I'm also aware it, it is an extremely emotive subject. People have got very, very strong and often entrenched positions uh, on this. And it's sad, but I do think the right decision's been made. Part of Adam's latest uh, story, which is about the U-turn, as the headline puts it, that Manchester United have made on this. Um, He says that employees made clear that they were thinking of resigning over this or even going on strike, potentially. Um, obviously, there's huge reaction, which which Andy and Laurie have reflected on amongst the fan base as well. Um, how do you reflect on how Manchester United have, have reached this decision? Confusion. I, I I feel great sadness with the decision. There is a section in Adam Crafton's piece where he says the plans or, or, or what we knew was was originally planned on on August fourth went twelve revisions, and, and I 
can't quite get past that, that something underwent 12 revisions at the club and still didn't quite understand that they would face this sort of feedback, not just from Manchester United fans online, but Manchester United fans physically go to Old Trafford, but also from Manchester United staff members. I I don't understand how how you can revise a plan 12 times and not quite grasp what you're trying to do. Uh, and the statements that have come out today, again, raise a number of questions that are confusing to me. I Richard Arnold says that you know, the club were unable to access certain evidence, but they res- but the evidence was collated, led us, and I don't know quite know which is the us, to conclude that Mason did not commit the acts he was charged with. Is that evidence ever going to be known to those involved at Manchester United? And if not then those involved at Manchester United have to trust Richard Arnold's judgment. And doing that right now is difficult. And if I'm you know, frustrating you with my staggered speech and trying to find the right words, it's because my, my head is absolutely swimming. I, I don't really know what to think about a number of things. And I think quite a lot of people don't know what to think about a number of things. You know, The last couple of days have been hard for Manchester United fans because football is meant to be your reprieve from some of the heavy things in the world. Um, and for reasons outside of your control, Manchester United haven't been a reprieve for the hard things in the world. So for that, all I can say is sorry. And um, yeah, I, I heartily recommend you read Adam Crafton's piece and all the statements released that on Monday in full, because I think it's very important to read the full sentences and the full context that all of these people are trying to put across. Definitely. I think we all feel um, a sense of being full. Um, because there are so many different aspects of this story to take in. I think we all feel a sense of sadness that we're having to do a football podcast about an issue like this. Um, It just feels like a waste, really, um, to be honest. Um, But over the course of the podcast, we'll try and bring in different people's opinions, different perspectives, and discuss as well exactly how this affects Manchester United, the relationship between the club and the fans and the team, and Mason Greenwood, moving forward. Okay, we're joined now by Carly then, who is a United fan, who was also part of the campaign group Female Fans Against Greenwood's Return. Carly, thank you for coming on Talk of the Devils. Thank you. First of all, then, your reaction to the announcement today and also how you think this has been dealt with by Manchester United, please. Initial response was um, a degree of relief of finally something's happened, finally they've, they've made a statement, finally they've done the right thing. Overwhelmingly throughout the day, it's just been the main reaction has just been one of sadness. It's just been such a shambolic, disappointing set of affairs from the get go. You know, people have been saying, oh, you know, it's you, you should be really happy that you've, you know, you've played a, a, some part in this. And there's nothing to be happy about. It's just such a horrible set of circumstances for fans, for the club, for the people that have been impacted. And there are no winners in this situation. It just feels like everyone's lost like all the way around there is no positive outcome even though the the decision that has been made eventually has been the right one it's just really really sad and embarrassing and disappointing that it has just played out in this way Laurie what's the question you want to ask yeah I suppose I just wondered um Carly what you thought of the words that were used in the statements from the club uh, Mason Greenwood and indeed Richard Arnold the chief executive I think they just all point to 
sense that they're a bit disappointed, maybe, that they've had to make this decision, that they were aiming on doing something different. It almost feels like, you know, and we could have got away with it if it wasn't for those pesky fans and those, you know, intrusive reporters. It just seems that they'd made the decision. They were very keen for the comeback to happen. Um, and there are so many things in the statement from Richard Arnold, which is such a bizarre piece of mixture of sort of PR and worming his way out of a situation and just a very strangely worded document. Um, the statement from Greenwood, again, which denies any wrongdoing and obviously just the, the very basic statement from the club, a bit sort of disappointed, a bit sort of non-committal. There's not really any sort of sense that they handled things in the wrong way. It just feels like they're a bit gutted that they got caught out. Maybe they're a bit disappointed with themselves that they didn't take some decisive action pre previously. But, you know, it doesn't seem the whole situation has been an exercise in how not to do fan engagement and fan consultation. And it just doesn't, from what they've said today, it doesn't really feel like they've learned any lessons in that regard. It just seems to be trying to worm themselves out of a really terrible situation that they've got themselves into without any real reflection or lesson learning going on. Carly, do you feel like the reaction of United fans made a difference? Yeah, definitely. I think that there was such a massive um, outcry against what went on. Obviously, we had our own little sort of protests and the banners and the, the media coverage. But there were just so many fans across the board who spoke out against it. And I was... To be honest, I was really surprised when we when we first did the banner on sort of Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it was, and the piece went out on Friday. I was braced for some online abuse, but I thought I'm probably going to get a few sort of old timers who I know we're going to be a bit sort of like gruff and funny about it. And I've had nothing but people agreeing with me, even like the sort of like roughest, tumblest, like old blokes that I know from pubs who are, shall we say, not the most socially progressive on a lot of issues. Um, I've been messaging this support. It's been really surprising how many people have been affected and how unanimous the messaging has been from match-going fans um, and people that I know in going to the match that this is just not an acceptable situation for Manchester United to be involved with and not an acceptable set of behaviours for a Manchester United player. And have Manchester United been in contact with you since you started your campaign? No, come off it. What do you think? Of course they haven't. They don't, I mean, they've only just got in touch with the fan advisory board today. You know, they're not going to think twice about contacting us. Set of pain in the backsides. Callie, has it, has it changed the way you feel about being a Manchester United fan? I think it's really deepened a sense of sort of disillusionment and disenchantment that I think a lot of fans have been feeling for a long time. I think I personally, you know, all of the media that we've done over the past few days want us to make like really bombastic statements about I'm never going to Manchester United again. I'm giving my season ticket up and never setting foot in the ground again if Mason Greenwood plays. And I've been very clear that We definitely don't that's, want that. No, that's... We definitely don't yeah, want that. Exactly. It's, it's about it's, giving a, you know, a proper perspective yeah, on this. Yeah, you know, people have asked us, and I'm not saying that that's what you're asking now, but that's been, you know, what people have been trying to get out of us. And, you know, you've had quite public figures like Rachel Riley saying that they're not going to go again. But for a lot of us, I think it's just part of an ongoing sense of a bit of soul searching to do with United. I think if the decision had gone the other way, there would have been a lot of questions that a lot of people would have asked about whether United is a place for them anymore, whether they still feel like the club reflects 
their identity, their values, who they are as a person, the things that they fell in love with about the club. And I think for me personally, that's been the big impact of all this is, you know, after the Super League fiasco, we were told things are going to be different. We're setting up the fan advisory board. We've got new people in. They're going to be doing more fan engagement, more fan consultation. They're going to be trying to make fans feel like a bigger part of the club. And there's been some success in that. And it genuinely felt like the club had been taking strides to really engage with fans over the last couple of years. And then this has just broken all that trust and all that work that's gone into all of those things. And so much work that went through um, that has been done by people at the lower ends of the club, people like Rick and others who are genuinely trying to do the best by fans. It just feels that when we've been pushed out of these major decisions, it just really does make you think, is anyone listening? Are they? Is this all just window dressing? Are they just sort of giving us a few concessions at the lower ends of the decision making so that they can then justify leaving us out of the more important stuff? It just really makes you question the um, a genuineness and sort of how dedicated the people at the top genuinely are to um, engaging with us at fans and listening to what we have to say. It reminds me of the European Super League announcement where so much, so much people within the club were saying we've been working so hard to do so much good throughout lockdown and a lot of good was done and maybe we shouldn't compare but look at Manchester United compared to, to rival clubs during lockdown and then that announcement was made without any consultation to anybody. And someone just said, it's just like the, the rug has just been pulled from under our feet. What's yeah. the point in doing what we do? And then this then happens again. We had months during lockdown of being told football without fans is nothing. And then they showed us during the ESL decision that we meant nothing to them. And they've just shown us again with this decision that, you know, we were at the back of the queue when they were, you know, holding these um, discussions at the highest level and, and making these decisions and, and undertaking the investigation. And, you know, today in the statement, Richard Arnold has said that the the investigation was sort of a HR issue between an employer and an employee. And that is such a naive way to think of the relationship between a player and a club like Manchester United. And it's so ignorant of the wider impact that the club and the players have on people's lives and the place that they hold in, you know, popular consciousness. And, you know, the Women's Aid Statement today spoke about how, you know, players are so idolised by fans and their actions really do have an impact on pushing the standards of acceptable behaviour within society and what, you know, people think of as acceptable behaviour in, in the public eye and in the private sphere. And I think it's so naive of the club to think that they could just hold a behind-closed-doors investigation and not have to explain their decision, not have to listen to... Um, you know, the input of people that are going to be affected by that decision. The whole thing is just so, so naive and so predictable because it's exactly the way that they've been doing things for so many years, unfortunately. Thank you, Carly. No problems. Andy, brilliant of, of Carly to give us her time. Um, she's had an extremely busy day talking about this decision and, and portraying how fans are feeling. Obviously, the work of the, the female fans against Greenwood's return group as well has been very prominent online. What did you think about what she had to say, particularly the point she made at the top about the statements seeming like United are almost disappointed that they they have to uh, have taken this decision? I think she had reason to say that because our understanding and the Athletics' understanding 
as was reported, was that you go back two or three weeks, I felt that Manchester United were preparing the ground to bring Mason Greenwood back. So the fact that that hasn't happened is largely a reaction to the backlash at the end of last week. I wouldn't expect the club to ever admit that. And the club are adamant that the only decision that they have made is the one which was made public. But I still think that decision is 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 open to interpretation. I I always understood that a lot of people on the football side uh, wanted Mason Greenwood to come back. And somebody said to me that that's because we really care about Manchester United winning football matches. We just want to do our job better and have better players. So that's their perspective on that one. But equally, a lot of people within the club were, were, were against uh, the idea and we spoke about what the fans thought and there was a huge backlash towards the end of last week after Adam Crafton uh, wrote wrote that piece and we're talking 56% on the Athletic, 75% on, on United We Stand, didn't want Mason Greenwood back so pretty clear majorities but there's still a lot of people as Carl picked up on the other day who did want to see Mason Greenwood return. Laurie, should this investigation have included consultation with women's charities as well? Yeah, personally, I think they should have involved women's charities, or, or in it, maybe in, a, in an organised, specific way, not you know, um, not not kind of appealing for all different opinions, but but going specifically to people who are informed on this kind of stuff, who have seen it before and know exactly what to look out for and just educating themselves so that when they are conducting their internal investigation they are alert to the different signs and can really drill down into what the reality is. United will say that they only wanted to make a decision based on the evidence and make it a fact-based call ultimately uh, which is fair you know is the right thing to do but at the same time how do you know that what you're what you're looking at is is facts you know this is a lot of individual perception Um, of different events you know we're talking about attempted rape we're talking about coercion and control those are aspects that I think women's charities would have good understanding of and now United will say again that they they want to concentrate specifically on on the Mason Greenwood's case at hand Um, but personally I feel like uh, some form of learning would have been useful. Should it have been an independent review? in your opinion. I've seen a lot of talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is one way of making sure that there is no sense that this is uh, a result that they wanted to arrive at from the get-go, which I think is something that the statements kind of hint towards. You've got a club there that have had this player at their academy since he was, you know, six, seven. They've got a kind of sense of, of loyalty to him, a duty of care that they've spoken about. Is that really the, the clearest mindset for praising someone in such a serious matter I personally feel that I think others have expressed this to me as well that you know an independent barrister might have been able to actually come to a conclusion and then United could have had distance from it as well you know it would have been actually this is the the findings of the independent body I know that might have been difficult but I feel like there would have been you know a good amount of distance there and you would have then there's this idea that it is an echo chamber that they've been in you know you you hear all the the plans that have been laid out and it comes from sort of one viewpoint really is it difficult there if if you've got people that are looking at this situation where you've got a player who is very talented uh, theoretically worth a lot of money are they really going to be able to push and say this guy needs to go because you know what we've found is is very troubling i'm not saying that that's what's happened here but i think that 
having someone independent would have at least made sure that people would look at it and go, fair enough, it's not someone with any kind of vested interest. Who pays the independent person? Well, I suppose then ultimately you would have to have United, you know, paying them. Does that undermine the independence? Is that the point you're making, Andy? Yeah, that's the point point I'm making. I mean, Gary Neville's pushed really hard on this idea of football having an independent regulator. Okay, that's great. I can see loads of times when that is needed. But who pays that person? Because it then could become a client. You know, we're paying you, you're an outside body to do this investigation. Here's all our evidence. Here's our all information. And I'm just slightly circumspect that what comes back tends to to, to favour more your, your client's thought process. Carl, just on the flavour of the statements today, there was an absence, and I can understand that for the club, the legality of, of the statements, it's a very, very delicate situation for them. But whatever you think of Mason Greenwood, of, of the entire situation, Carl, one thing it has done is shone a light on violence against women and issues with that within this country. Do you think that there is an opportunity here that Manchester United have missed as well to not embrace that? I think it's we're talking about what was and wasn't said due to legality and reading those statements, something that stuck out Mason Greenwood saying he'd been cleared of all charges. Now, he was not. It's, it's Legally speaking, he was not cleared of all charges. Charges were dropped by a Crown Prosecution Service due to withdrawal of a key witness. That is a very important distinction. And I find that line in that statement very interesting. I find it interesting that at no point in the three statements on the Manchester United Club website were any words given talking out against violence towards women. I want to read out part of Women's Aid statement. Uh, with many survivors never contacted the police to report abuse in the first place and the majority of domestic and sexual abuse cases not resulting in a criminal conviction, it is vital that clubs, like all employers, have an approach that is wider than the criminal justice system which deals with the reality of the scale of the issue. This needs to involve addressing the attitudes that underpin domestic and sexual abuse, working with players from a young age to make it clear that clubs stand against sexism and misogyny. This is an issue that reaches far wider than football, with misogynistic content widely available on social media. So it is important to recognise how widespread harmful attitudes are and address this. A Women's A statement also says that they reached out to Manchester United last week in light of the statement made on Wednesday and have had conversations with the club since. I think the statements raise several questions that I don't think we'll ever get the answer to. And that is concerning. I think we're all now at a point where while one decision has been made, you're also asking for you're also asking what happens next. And it appears in those statements that Manchester United are asking you to trust them to take care of what happens next. And I find it difficult at this point in time to do so or to take them at their word, where to date a number of their words raise more questions than give answers. Okay, well, we talked briefly before about the different surveys that had taken place about whether Manchester United fans wanted Mason Greenwood to play for Manchester United again. The survey that you can go and have a look at on The Athletic, in the end, the result was 58% of respondents said that they didn't want Mason Greenwood to play for Manchester United again. Carl, is that lower than you would have anticipated? A tad, but there was a, a double-figure percentage in don't know. Um and everyone is, you know, this is a online publication that takes you know, opinions from all around the world, uh, all different perspectives and ages and whatnot. So the majority of people that went in that poll said they didn't want Mason Greenwood back. The percentages are different and that's okay. 
I, I take those answers. <laughs> I take those answers. Um, there will be a lot of com conversation in the coming days. Uh, and it feels weird to say, or perhaps even wrong to say, uh, I, I think we'll probably have a spike in conversation if Manchester United don't get a result against Nottingham Forest on the weekend, such as the way things do. There's always going to be a, a football fan out there that believes if if X player was there when a chance was missed, X player would have scored it, regardless of whatever happened. Um, and that's if that's the perspective they want to watch football through, so be it. But I think, as Carly said, and as other people have said very eloquently over the last couple of days, this is about more than football. This is this is about to an extent what Manchester United should stand for in in twenty twenty three. Andy, you agreeing with that with Carl then? I was surprised um, how many people uh, wanted him to come back from from that poll. I think we will see some pushback over the next couple of days. Um, I wouldn't go as strong as a backlash, but people who think that Manchester United have made the wrong decision and have bowed to the court of public opinion, I still think that the vast majority of people. Um, didn't want him to to play again. It, it's it's extremely uh, divisive as well as emotive. I'm not saying it's like Brexit where you can't bring it up, but already this evening I've had a, a few messages from people I respect, totally disagreeing with the decision, and outlining their reasons why. And it's fine. People can have different opinions on stuff. Laurie, the, the emails that we've been receiving from listeners, and, and thank you everyone who's who's emailed in, we're not going to read any of those out. We are using them, of course, to reflect um, and influence our, our conversation on this podcast. Um, the vast majority of those, the tone, would you say, was against Greenwood playing for United again then? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there have been some, though, that are supportive, as Andy said, that you know, there's, there's other people out there. Uh, I've had people message me saying, he hasn't been convicted of any crime. You know, why are we now judging him in that situation in a way that means he can't play for United again? Again, you know, I personally disagree with that. I think it's a different bar to beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, the legal proof. But I feel that equally, you know, people are entitled to have a view that actually he, he could have been able to be reintegrated. Clearly, that is the view of um, a lot of people on the football side at Manchester United. Um, and it's probably worth touching on. You know that we feel that um, Eric Ten Hag and John Murtagh, the football director, were supportive of Mason Greenwood being reintegrated. That's probably a fair point to raise as well, in the sense of this not being a commercial decision. Because if it had been a purely commercial decision, I'm pretty sure United would have got rid of Mason Greenwood as soon as as soon as they could have. Really, you know, in terms of maybe the charges when they were made, or or, or as soon as the uh, Crown Prosecution Service actually dropped them. But they felt like okay, now it's our time to act because clearly there were sponsors that were very nervous about him representing Manchester United again. But throughout it, I think they felt that the football side wanted to see if he could be reintegrated and also they felt it was their duty, their, their right to look into it with as forensic an eye as they could and come to a, a reasoned um, appraisal. And which is why now they're in this position of, you know, how can we help him in his next club? You know, I've, I've touched on in my column that the duty of care that they have given to other players. I mean, Paul Wollstone retired last year um, with an injury and they were able to help him out with some media work and I think work for a football agency as well. Then again, you've got, you know, Tom Thorpe, who was the captain of the FA Youth Cup winning side in 2011, who has spoken recently to the Manchester Evening News, well, 
in April about how he felt that the aftercare wasn't there for him as a player when he was released. So, you, you know, this this idea that United absolutely have to have a duty of care to Mason Greenwood, I don't think it possibly fully holds because there's certainly been instances of players being got rid of with, with far more um, bluntness than, than what's being afforded to, to Mason Greenwood. But that being said, you know, what, what next, you know... It, it seems like they're going to try and help him with a loan. Is that what he wants? I think his view in all this is is very interesting. Obviously, his statement, in, you know, in his name was was um, was, was quite um, collaborative to go back to that word with United. I wonder how he personally is, is, is feeling actually. You know, when his career has now been confirmed as, as not being able to uh, begin again at Manchester United, they don't actually absolutely categorically confirmed that he won't play for United again you know they, they say that's the expectation that he won't be but then again I don't know is there a world where he goes on loan and, and scores a lot of goals and then the court of public opinion is altered I, I, I don't think that's it's, I think it's a remote possibility but it's not actually been totally ruled out this isn't Manchester United cancelling Mason Greenwood's contract terminating his contract it's not Manchester United paying off Mason Greenwood and the remainder of his contract and releasing him to then go and join a club for free this is Andy United keeping Greenwood under contract he's got two years left on his current deal and overseeing the next step of his career which won't be at Manchester United how likely do you think it is after whatever happens next that he plays for United again in the future talking here in August 23 pretty unlikely but then in April 21 I said that Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't play for Manchester United again. The court of public opinion, which Laurie touches on, it can change. I think at the moment, United will work with Greenwood's family, not just with the player. And I think that this is really important. He's recently become a father. He's lived uh, with in Manchester or, or Bradford all of his life. It's within 35 miles and... People saying he'll go to this country or go to that country. I think they're forgetting that there's actual human issues here as well. And United want him to find a club with the right environment to continue his career. Discussions are ongoing to find the right solution to to achieve that. And I think the club's focus is on finding a path for Mason Greenwood to continue his career elsewhere. And that leads people to say, well, where? I don't know the answer to that. I just... Because whoever takes him on, they're going to have some issues as well. It might not be as hot as him returning to Manchester United. There may be more of an acceptance in other countries for him playing there. But I don't know where um, because the decision has not been made yet. What do you think of this, Carl? The best apologies change behaviour. And... As Andy says, we're talking in August 2023 uh, and it's really hard to predict what will happen in, in May 2025. Is there a reality where Mason Greenwood goes by those words in his statement saying he wants to do better as a football player and a father and things change and he spends those two years not only playing football to a whatever hypothetical degree that Manchester United say yes or... But I think on top of that, I don't. I, I get very uncomfortable when people talk about Mason Greenwood's talent and they talk about his potential as, as this asset because it also discludes the responsibilities of being a public figure. I would have liked some discussion in that in those statements about 
if Mason Greenwood is going to be collaborating with non-footballing institutions to better educate himself or to, or to help communities that have been affected by what's happened. If that sort of behaviour happens, if we see people involved in the situation condemn and denigrate those who have spent quite a long time abusing people saying that Greenwood shouldn't return and saying, no, you do not speak for me. What I prefer to do is this and this and this. Then perhaps, maybe, whatnot. Um, the best apology is change behavior at this point in time. I can't say any behavior has changed. So it, it is unlikely that Mason Greenwood will ever play for Manchester United ever again. And I think it would take a very, very large transformative bit of behavior, not just on the football field, but off it. For that to change, I don't think I don't think there's a, a, a special number of goals a football player should score to come back to Manchester United. There might be. I prefer not to ever answer that hypothetical question because I don't think that's a correct question. I think the question is is more: what else can he do? Yeah, that's not truly the measure, is it? Really, like it would normally be in in, in standard football terms. Maybe slightly crass to ask this at this point, Laurie, but do we know of of any interest? from clubs in Mason Greenwood in, in whatever happens in this, this next step of his career at this point? There were discussions with Italian clubs in the summer. There's been a couple of people that have said that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's solid. That being said, uh, there was a suggestion that he'd been involved in the conversation with Atalanta, uh, with Rasmus Hoyland was being discussed. Um, Atalanta always rejected the idea that they would sign him. And and it is interesting, you know, the, which, which clubs, which countries do accept this kind of difficult circumstance what will their reaction be with if their fans you know protest against it english clubs i'd find it hard for another premier league club to to take him on just given the scale of what's happened at manchester united i think there'll be a lot of clubs looking at it i mean in football you can never write anything off when when someone's as talented as he is even though he spent 80 months out and how sharp is he going to be you know in a football sense for a long while, I don't know, but there's always a club that thinks we can get a tune out of him. But the cost of that might be too great for for even a you know a Premier League club to to look at. Certainly, there will be agents calling up his family saying, "I can get you this deal. Let me have a go at, at getting you this club," and and there'll be a lot of activity, I would imagine, around him to look and see what their solution from a football point of view can be. But I think it's really unclear right now just because it's been, you know, I think United had, had kind of pushed away inquiries um, at a certain point, sort of maybe mid-July. I think they, they knew what way they wanted to go with this. And so that's kind of, you know, it, the dialogue now would need to be restarted. And I suppose, you know, I don't know, when, when it, if it comes down to it, does Greenwood even say, I'm, I'm not having this situation where you hold on to me and uh, you decide where my next path is? I know it's, they're talking about collaboration. Does Greenwood force the issue and say, I want to I want to sever the cord here, you know, you know, p- pay me up in some way? Um, I don't know how that would, would go down, but that is, you know, a possibility. So, um, yeah, I, sorry, I can't really answer your question there, Ian, but I, I feel like there'll be a lot of activity now anyway in terms of where he goes next. Okay, we'll leave it there then, I think. Laurie, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Andy and Carl, thank you to you as well. And thanks for listening at home. The Athletic.